I'm Aaron Armstrong. I'm Pete Moran. And we love to watch. We love to watch uh, You Shimmer Shake. Shimmer shake. Shimmer shake. Shimmer, shimmer, shake. Shimmy, shimmy, shake. <laughs> yeah, it's your favorite fuel song, Shimmer. Shimmer. Do you remember Fuel, Peter? Uh, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. They had a, song, they had a very fuel. famous song called Hemorrhage in My Hands, and they also had a song called Shimmer. Less famous. Cool. Not good. I think all of that yeah. is, not, is not good. Shoot. Already showing. So... Where we the live way watch. the shimmer is destructive to natural environments, David is Schwimmer is destructive to comedy. Uh, are you saying the Paul Bearer wasn't comedy gold? <laughs> Paul <laughs> Bearer funeral cop? Uh, but yeah, where we love to watch, we're movie podcast. We pick a theme. We do movies over the course of the month around that theme. And if we remember, we compare and contrast. We're in our last week of Spring Forward, Lovecraft. Where we're doing some cosmic horror stuff, and we're on probably maybe the movie I was most excited about. It's one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, which is uh, or 2018's Annihilation, uh, which is based on the book Annihilation, which is part of the Southern uh, Reach trilogy by Jeff Vandermeer. And we were supposed to record this last week, but I had to take a break because I was sick with a just a brutal cold. And I was almost, we were almost going to push this week too. And Peter's like, no, I think we need to record. And I I got that tone. That tone was, if you don't record, I'm going to replace you with Marcus Jones. <laughs> We've been down that road before. I'm not willing to do that again. Not for a movie. I, Night of the Living Dead, also one of my yeah. favorite movies. I never got a chance to talk about it legitimately. <clears throat> and now I'm like, Peter's going to take Annihilation mm. away from me. So if you hear... Some straining. If you hear some coughs that Peter is Peter's edit missed in the edit, mm-hmm. <coughs> like that one, maybe mm-hmm. I apologize. But I was under the threat of literal replacement. How am I going to feed my family <laughs> if I can't talk about the annihilation episode? Yeah, and all I'm saying is that um, it doesn't particularly matter if I even contact Marcus again for the rest of my life. The point is I'm hoping that you don't you know that you're replaceable. I'm very you. I don't think we've been doing the podcast a year. You're like, oh, you're sick. Yeah, no, no, Mark Jones is going to do it. He's done. He's going to do is it. I sound. Yeah. Hey, Mark Jones, he's going to do it. Yeah. Mark Jones going to do it. <laughs> yeah. You called me. Normally we do communicate through text. But for that time, you called me. You said yeah. it. And I believe you slammed the phone down. You told me. And this is a this is true. You had to buy. A new phone because you slammed it down so hard in yeah. jubilation of being like, who's in charge of this podcast now? I'm the captain. I'm yeah. a podcast I, I, captain now. I was talking like a, a a grizzled coach, football coach. Where I was like, you're going to get – you think he's talking to the guys, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins? I'll trade his ass. <laughs> you were like Ben Affleck in what was that movie, The Way Back? 
Mm-hmm. Is that was it called the way back, the way forward? I don't know. I, I can't be, confirm how many ways, but if you looked up the way back, you would get the answer. I, yeah, it's true. I think it's. A, I think the way back is a different movie, but I'm pretty sure Ben Affleck was a grizzled old, down as luck basketball coach in a movie recently. Yeah, who's to say? Not us, the movie podcast. But yeah, we're doing Annihilation. Peter, I ended up reading the entire Southern Reach trilogy mm-hmm. in preparation for this. Uh, I I was just going to. I was just going to read Annihilation, and then Annihilation was so fucking good that I decided to go on to the next book. And then the next book, uh, the next books are Authority and Acceptance, and I fell in love with it. And I, 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 you did you get through all the way through Authority? I guess I should know that before we. Do I got it. through. I got through Annihilation, and I'm almost done with Authority. Okay. God so, damn, Resident Evil Four came out. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's such a damn bummer. It. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not going to spoil, um, those books, but I will say what I was expecting from those books based on this movie. And now I saw this movie three times when it came out. I think it was number three or four on my best of 2018 list. It may have even risen in my estimation, but I, I saw this movie. I showed it to a few people. Like I, I watched this a lot in the 18 months it came out. I haven't seen it since then. Um, and the thing about this movie that stood out was like how little, like in, in my memory is that this movie did not provide you with easy answers or a lot of answers. So it was very impressionistic. It gave you cosmic horror vibes, but it, you know, it, it left things open ended. It didn't explain everything outright. And I was expecting when I bought the Southern Reach trilogy, years ago in preparation for us knowing that at some point we were going to do Annihilation on the show. I expected, I didn't know Jeff Vander, uh, Vandermeer um, and I hadn't read any of his books, but you know, some pulp 2010 era sci-fi author and you get this very impressionistic movie, symbolic movie. I was expecting a very straight ahead sci-fi story. I really was. I was expecting this book is going to say, this is where this came from. This is why this is happening. It's going to over-explain. That happens a lot. Like a lot, there's a, you read the 2001, um, uh, short story, the Sentinel, which was written by Arthur C. Clarke. You know, it, it, it has some of the, the kind of crazy vibes, but it is not like the, you know, the Kubrick movie, especially the last third of that movie that just becomes very psychedelic and symbolic and, and you know, it kind of untethers itself from narrative storytelling. Um, and But uh, then when I went back and read the book and then the subsequent books, it is very much like, here's where, here's what the monolith does. And we, here's, we create a space baby and that was very important. Here's why it's important. Here's who did it. I was expecting that from, from, from these books. And if anything, what was so bizarre about reading the books, which I loved, all five-star books, I actually bought another uh, book by the same author just because I was so high off of reading those 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 books that I wanted more from this author, is that the books somehow give you less than the movie does. The movie seems like a clear-cut narrative that I'm not going to say over explains everything, but explains things so much that you understand what's going on the whole time. And the books right up to the end uh, spells out almost nothing for you, at least when it comes to the larger picture where everything's from and gives you essentially no answers. And I, I thought that was a very like my memory of the movie and what I was expecting out of the books 
it was very surprising to return to this and go, oh, this movie does have a lot of imagery and it's obviously like reflecting on trauma and loss and depression and what do you do with the fate of the world and all those other themes that we'll get to. But the narrative itself, why there's the shimmer, what the shimmer is trying to do and where we're left at the end is actually really easy to decipher it from the movie's perspective. And the title of the the title Annihilation means something different in the book than yeah. the the movie. In the book it has a very specific almost like shock reveal. Uh yeah. and, and it's it's all tied into a broader sort of theme about like hypnosis. Yeah. Um and in the movie it's just like, yeah, the aliens are, are coming here. And oh yeah, it, it is aliens, untended. which you never know in the book for sure. Yeah. What it is. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like they're aliens and they came here on a comet. And if they continue unabated, then they'll it'll mean the annihilation of of, of the people that we are. Yeah. From a, at, at a cellular level. Like yes. at a Truly, I mean, the the dictionary definition of annihilation, this isn't conforming, this isn't a symbiotic relationship, this isn't them taking parts of us, this isn't like a Borg type situation, this is literally like... situation. No, yeah, this is destroying ourselves from the inside to make something new, and annihilating our existence, essentially. Where, yeah, in the book, annihilation is literally a, I mean, a hypnosis code word. That's utilized. Should be worth noting. So this movie is directed by um, Alex Gardland. And uh, he was – he wrote this book off of a first draft that he read of the novel, like a manuscript. It wasn't published. He loved it so much that he he got Paramount to buy the rights to the movie. And he never read the final draft. And as he was making these movies and the other books came out, he never read any of the other books. And when he was writing the script, he wasn't doing uh, what happens again in the novel. He read the manuscript a couple times and then went and wrote a script over the next, you know, eight to 12 weeks to six months or a year from his memories of reading the manuscript. So he's actually there is some things that happen in the movie that are very close to what happens or like what gets explained later on in novels and he just said that is pure coincidence he's never read any yeah. of those he doesn't know what happened i i believe it Which too is cool. but it is it's really cool. cool they're like like they had the concurrent ideas but it's not a situation where uh alex garland uh read an early draft of a book and then ripped it off like jeff vandermeer has yeah. his name on this yep this movie was really well reviewed this movie helped, helped sell at least two copies of the book yeah. um, <laughs> um no, technically two helped, copies of three books this movie helped yeah. uh elevate jeff vandermeer's status the way that like andy weir's status was elevated by the martian you know yeah. like just these yeah. they were they, already the books were selling well but they sold astronomically well once yeah. you get a movie in there and people get addicted to your work and and, and it's just so Jeff Vandermeer got paid he got uh, notoriety off it it's just that like it's not particularly close adaptation for reasons that are way more interesting than either um, actually like a, a Kubrick let's say a Kubrick actually I didn't really like that story I was just I just yeah. used it as a jumping off point or yeah. or, um, or uh, hey uh, it would actually be easier to sell this if I just changed all these details. It's neither of those. It's kind yeah. of like con- concurrent evolution um, from yeah. a, a core 
uh, a, a core species. Like a core species went off in two divergent directions. And it's interesting to see how the bonobo is similar to the chimpanzee or whatever. Yeah. And that's why I find it so fascinating. When we were talking about this a little bit in text, I was like clear that like, even though the movie is much easier to understand than and less impressionistic and less vague than I remember, like they're both five star movies. Like both of the 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 first book and the and the movie Annihilation that's based on the manuscript are taking a um a a theme and some high level story beats and the idea of cosmic horror and influence and telling stories around um telling us a similar story around that. The only thing that probably was helpful to me in reading the books is that the whole time I'm reading, I'm I'm thinking of our biologist character. No one no almost no one in the um novel has names. Some people do and a lot of people like the Natalie Portman character who does have a name in the movie does not have a name in the book. Um she actually doesn't get a physical description until the second book when um She's described as some nationality of Asian American. That detail is not even in the first book. Like there's she is a a sketch of a person on purpose in the first book. Like they're all they're all sketches. Of, I mean, literally is like the psychologist, the um, the biologist, the uh, the uh, interpreter, like all the that's their names. The, I mean, and I like more things get explained later on. But the book Annihilation was really this like kind of almost bizarre experience of how little they're giving you Mm -hmm. um, of who any of these people are besides like, I guess, a little bit the biologist or the Natalie Portman character. So the only thing that kind of helped, as I said, even though you noted that by the second book, the description does not describe someone that looks like Natalie Portman. I was like, oh, the the biologist equals Natalie Portman. And when I'm picturing the story happen in my head – that's who I'm picturing. And um, it's interesting because it affects the tone of the work in yeah. a very significant way. So the original book is, through most of it, uh, fairly cold and clinical because it's a first-person story from the biologist's perspective, the main character's perspective. Um, and that's who she is. She is an introvert. She's a self-described introvert. She has trouble connecting with people. She's far more, she's far more comfortable being an outside observer of ecosystems than she is as a participant in ecosystems. Right. And then the story starts to get more interesting as a uh, emotional story. As you start to see the ways that her emotional stuntedness has affected her marriage and, and how it contributed to, um, the, the strange event where and it happens in both the movie and the book where her husband was assigned to or uh, elected to go explore this place, the Shimmer, Area X, um, the space protected by this, yeah. com- this organization called the Southern Reach that has uh, popped up in the movie. It is in Florida. Uh, in the book, it's inspired directly by uh, uh, Blackwater State Forest because um, that's where Jeff Vandermeer like did a lot of hikes. Um, but in the, in the book, they really obscure, like even, even those details that like indicate it's Florida, like the fact that there's dolphins and shit, like the book really, really obscures that this takes place in Florida. <laughs> um, well, it's embarrassed of DeSantis. I think we all are. <laughs> I understand that he's a pox on humanity, but um, I, I mean, part of that is like, even 
you know, one of the first experiences that we get in the movie is the alligator and like the idea that there's these like there's this the natural threat of the natural world is somehow magnified by whatever's happening in the shimmer. And we find out the alligator has like not just its normal deadly self, but it's aggressive and it has like teeth like lining it in a circular pattern all through its all through its throat. There is almost no threatening wildlife in Annihilation. Like the the book, the bear, which is obviously so famous from the movie, is not in the book. There is a moaning creature. Yeah, there's a moaning something. <laughs> there's a moaning creature that you don't find out what it is, I think, until the third book. And it's like pitiful, not aggressive. The only threatening creature is like this otherworldly, otherworldly crawler that exists in a tower writing language that is wholly absent from the 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 movie itself. So, like, I think that's part of it. Like, they see or is birds. It a tunnel? God damn it! <laughs> it's, a, it's a tower, Peter. <laughs> um, it's definitely a tower. It's definitely a tower. It's definitely, we're gonna all call it the tower. <laughs> um, but uh, that essentially like that the wildlife that they see they keep noting about how unabnormal it is right it feels abnormal there's some weird stuff that's abnormal about it they feel like when they look away from the microscope it becomes abnormal but the idea of like the DNA being replaced it's much it's a much subtler experience in the novel than it and and less aggressively horry um, than it is in the in the movie. There is a, a lot of horror in the book Annihilation because things – everyone is like something is wrong. F things don't feel right. I When I look at cells in the microscope, when I'm looking at them, they appear normal. But when I look away, I just know that they're changing right in front of me. Like they're camouflaging themselves, which has this kind of like otherworldly eeriness that is much more direct and horrific in the actual movie. I think – in a way that translates better. I mean, these are five-star books. It's a five-star movie. It translates that horror better for a visual medium or just like vibes. Vibes are very hard to project in a yeah. movie. But like they, they – that's why they both work. I think both the, the book and the movie work so well as Lovecraftian horror because they're both doing the same thing around like there's something we don't understand that is terrifying. And in the yeah. movie – that is kind of the like transformation at a cellular level of these this biosphere. And in the book, it's this indescribable understanding that the biosphere is being transformed in a ways undescribable or undetectable to the human eye. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good way of putting it. And it's it's the the movie is in, inherently more approachable than the yeah. book. The book, I think, if it were be, to be adapted as is, it would be more closely in tone to uh, Tarkovsky's Stalker. Um, it has a bit more of a a literary sort of pulled back. Um, more They're both very it. defensive about it being compared to Stalker. Just yeah. <laughs> both, yes. both, both Garland and Vander Vandermeer are, are like 
it's not we we took no inspiration from stalker which i which, think is very funny which at this point man like it's not like you ripped off a book from two years ago you ripped off a classic russian novel yeah. and well they cite russian all film. these other things they're like here's the books and the movies that inspired us but they're like it's not stalker and just i don't know do, i don't know why like stalker just good. do the thing that george lucas does where every few years he's like yeah it probably was flash gordon yeah <laughs> it was probably this and this it was probably this and this i don't know man stalker's a good comparison point because part of the eeriness of that movie is that like people keep describing like don't step here don't do this thing but it's not like we're seeing like indiana jones style traps there's just like this it's sense not like of, there's 10 people and they winnow down to three no it, there's just you, this you, sense of like something's wrong here that like no one's really talking about and conveying but there's a there's a sense of a threat that is happening yeah. that people are avoiding and successfully so but we don't quite understand as the audience what that threat is. Exactly. That's a really good way of putting it. Uh, that's why I compare the book more to something like Stalker. Because yeah. it's not outright horror fully, but there much of it is very disturbing and dread-filled and horrifying. Yeah. Um, but it's more of a sort of uh, psychological study of a, of a set of characters than it is uh, almost a clinical study of a set yeah. of characters than it is like a um, a uh, horror adventure, which Annihilation does have some of that Alex Garland kind yeah. of cl- clinical um, coldness. And I don't say that as an insult to his yeah. work. He has a sort of clinical approach that I really enjoy. Um, and... Uh, in that sense, Alex Garland is like pumping up some of the the melodrama that is kind of operating um, at more of a distance in the book. So um, the there's there's the, the book uh, has flashbacks intermittently and the movie has flashbacks intermittently of what life was like for the biologist before Lena, um, this, Lena and what the marriage. The yeah. yeah, what the marriage was like for the biologist. Right. Um, and I think the, the movie inserts that there was infidelity as sort of like a shock that like, uh, the, and the movie gets more into like the details of their failing marriage and it spends more emotional time with Lena. Like Alina is more of a fully emotionally well-rounded person than the biologist is in the book. Um, yeah. Lena seems less incompetent. She is, she is reserved. She does keep to herself, but she's, she's not, um... So, uh, uh, a sort of like a social oddball. Um, yeah. She, she, she well, like, yeah, so much so, so much so that like the movie Lena has an affair with someone as a way to show distance from her husband. And in the book, it's more like I would rather spend time looking at this pond that's slowly evolving algae in life as opposed to time with my husband who is social and outgoing. Like it's more yeah. around like unhappiness in a marriage where people aren't connecting and more about like an extreme introvert who's more interested in algae than in her husband as a way of like so like like she's that cheating on she's cheating on her husband by being so pulled but, back and so reserved and yeah. so detached from the marriage that she spends all of her time in an abandoned lot watching like a weird pond pond scope yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it rules it's so good uh it's great Let's talk a little bit about Alex Garland. We have done an Alex Garland movie, sort of. He wrote Sunshine. Um, it's weird we haven't done Ex Machina. Well, Men just came out. We, we've, men. we've talked about Men quite a bit. We love Men, the movie, really? not, the, not the gender. Um, <laughs> not but, the um, uh, well, but he – not to doom his next movie, Civil War, 
or something like yeah. that. He has, he has a movie coming out called Civil War. There's no plot description. Hopefully, it's not one of those. What if the South won the Civil War? <laughs> like those Game of Thrones bozos we're going to do. But Wait till um, you hear this. They have AK 47s. <laughs> you thought men were bad. Wait to hear what the Confederates are like. <laughs> uh, but, anyways, they, uh, he almost has a like completely no miss record in my in my books. Like he wrote 28 Days Later, Sunshine. He's an uncredited writer on 28 Weeks Later, which I also love. Yeah. Um I've never seen Never Let Me Go, which he wrote. I saw uh, it when it I saw it back when it came out. I, I can't vouch for it now, but um I mean Mark Romanak is at least an interesting director to do any movie, so I remember really liking it, but it, I, I I haven't really thought about it much in a decade, so He wrote Dread. Great. Great. Movie. And then his three movies he's directed are Ex Machina, Annihilation, and Men, which are all four and a half to five star movies. And like he yeah. like he does not miss, at least right now. Whatever his sensibility I've watched Devs. Yeah. I'm his- a I'm a big fan of Devs. Okay. Devs is great. Not a minute of your time is wasted. Devs is great. It's on my list. I do I do mm-hmm. want to watch it. Um but like, yeah, he It's he hard just to sneak has- TV shows in. Yeah. Not before this, anyways. But uh I think in that list of like basically hit after hit and movie that I love and movie after love that he's either written. He also wrote the novel to the beach, uh, which explains mm-hmm. some of his Danny Boyle connection, which I have not revisited the beach. I know the beach got bad reviews when it came out. I was for a while. there a pretty big defender of the beach when it came out. Like I really I've never seen it. I really when liked came, that movie. When it came out, it, it just had this like stink of bomb on it. And I just didn't, I didn't check it out. So I'll probably check it out at some point. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it would hold up. It's one of those movies that, like, was amazing for a 17-year-old to watch and wasn't quite what I expected. It was kind of marketed as, like, you know how Leo's hot? He's hot at the beach in this one. And then it turned into kind of a weird Danny Boyle, like, oddball, like, someone – basically uh, someone devolving into, like, a crazed person who lives in a cult in, a, in an island. And I, re- I, I ended up really liking it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he, he obviously has, like, a sensibility – and a, like a a clinical, technical, technological horror sensibility that like really speaks to me. You know, in in most of the movies, like I said, I mean, whether he's the writer or whether he's director, God, have I loved all those movies. And I and I even looking at that list and even looking at some absolute favorites, I still I think Annihilation is the best thing he's done. I agree. Um, as someone who defends some of his messier work and stands like Sunshine Men, like the work that I think yeah. people have, have are more challenged by, and also has like a really big soft spot for like his genuine hits, like everybody loves Ex Machina and Twenty Eight Days Later, right? Um, yeah. Uh, Annihilation. Right Annihilation. I think is 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 his work that sticks with me the most, and some of that. Some of that is admittedly subject matter. Um, yeah. It's a uh, particular area of interest for me. I uh, the It's co- similar cosmic horror space that, like, I just love to read. It's a space I love to write in. Like, yeah. I love, I love uh, this stuff. I like weird zones. I like weird zones. Give me a Listen. weird zone. Listen, I, I want to take this movie to the zone. Um, and I like end zones. Um, cal zones, hot, hot zones. <laughs> well, a hot cal zone, yeah, for sure. Um, demilitarized zone. Oh my god, no, who doesn't no like a good DMZ? 
Um, but I, uh, I, this is the one that I think is his, his, his seminal, his seminal work. And it, I did see it in theaters, which I am really happy with because I kind of had a hunch that, uh, this movie was not going to be doing well financially. And then it didn't. Um, and it's a shame that he hasn't, uh, has he made a financial, I'm glad they keep letting him make movies, but I mean, it's almost, it almost be like, Are we he's sure making like make fi- money. I mean, Maybe, but it feels like at most he's making five million dollars on a twenty million dollar budget or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. Uh, well, the box office is eleven point two million. It doesn't have the budget, so I mean, they had to pay that one actor each time he appeared as one of the men, right, Rory Calhoun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the residual. Look, we that. only have two actors. Downside. One actor we have to pay 40 times. <laughs> yeah, Men made $11 million worldwide, which if this was a $250,000 movie, great. But this was not a $250,000 movie. No. Um, Rory so- Calhoun's like, uh, sorry, you got to pay me X, X extra. I had a don't show my vagina clause <laughs> in my contract and you showed my vagina. <laughs> God. Kind um, of a spoiler for men? I don't know sure. if that counts. Sure. Um, I think I think that we have we're one of the few uh, one of the few uh, podcasts that's brave enough to tell people to watch men. So I feel uh, like we have found more and more men defenders. Again, the movie, not the gender, as we've talked <laughs> oh, yeah. about. Not that, that men men is good. Men good. Men good. Um, I think men defenders would very much not like that movie. Oh no. Uh, yeah, we're we're men. We're MRAs for the Alex Garland film. <laughs> Christ. Um, but yeah, so do you want to get into the plot of Neen? Yeah. Uh men rave yeah. activists. We're <laughs> we're raving about the film men. <laughs> do you want to get in the plot of Annihilation? Annihilation! It's the book solution. There's two men. Two men. There's <laughs> uh, your man. Wait, wrong man. Peter, what happens in the motion picture? Annihilation. Um. Uh, uh, annihilation. Really hard to say. Um. Yeah, I can. I can do this. Thirty okay. seconds, and then you can tell me if this movie is a cosmic horror or a cosmic bore. Uh. <clears throat> I mean, my wife liked this movie. I, I I don't think she liked the ending. Um, Molly Molly liked this movie. She was not blown away by it, but she she liked it. Um, How, did you like the ending? Yeah, yeah. I think she liked that. Like the movie also wasn't like overwrought. Like it's like a get in. It's a get in, prove your point, get out kind of movie. Which for a movie that's about like a possible world ending event being averted, like yeah, <laughs> I think that's pretty impressive. Um, yeah. So um, she likes because, zones too. She loves zones. Don't say cal zones. <laughs> Bone zone. <laughs> hey, I said don't say it. My you- wife talking about bone zones she absolutely does she absolutely does not (laughs) (laughs) 
to clarify the situation. She is not interested. Thank you very much. How <laughs> dare you? Me. How you dare you give me something a... the aspirational to shoot for? <laughs> You've caught me in a very strange catch twenty two now. Where yeah. I either, either have to talk about having sex with my wife on, on mic or I sound weird. Yeah. Um, yeah. There you go. Finally. <laughs> gotcha. Um, okay. So um annihilation so uh we begin with uh lena who's a biologist she teaches at john Hop- johns hopkins um and she is uh sort of a widower or a widow excuse me a widow um and her husband went uh she doesn't know this just yet where he went she thought if he went on a mission because she's a vet he is a vet um, a mission a year ago, I believe it was, um, yep. t- to uh, a place called Area X, which is a um, a mutated version of reality, a sort of mutated territory uh, that exists in the American South. Um, its center point is a uh, is a uh, lighthouse on the coast. Yeah, and this space within this space, strange mutations and doubles. And yeah. corruptions of, of reality so, happen. Actually, and, getting back though, the first scene in this movie is an asteroid hitting that lighthouse, and you see the um, the the kind of zone and the things start expanding from there. So yeah. the only reason I'm calling that out specifically is I forgot that scene was in the movie watching it, and I was like, oh, it's just it's from space, like it's yeah. from space. There is the all three books are 700 pages long together. <laughs> and they never decide what it is, where it's from, how it happened. Like there is no resolution, spoiler alert for the book. You're, they're not going to explain where the zone comes from, and I was expecting that to be the case. Like I I I fucking tricked myself reading the book. That's right. They never explain it. And then the first thing of the movie is it's an asteroid from space. It's space stuff that is doing it, which is great. Not a problem, but they are like, hey, you're going to see some weird shit. Space Rock did it. Yeah. And and I think that that is part of the palatability of the movie. It's just kind yeah. of straightening, straightening um, the uh, strange angles and um, sort of cleaning up roughness so that you can focus on themes and emotion um, as opposed to the book, which has a lot more space to play, or that it's, it's yeah. a novella, really. But this, the first book has a lot more space to play in those sort of strange, strange um, sort of border areas. And um, I have a similar opinion to that opening shot, the to the opening shot of John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah, where I'm like, get this out of here. <laughs> I actually like again. If I had to pick which one to excise from. I would have excised it for this over the thing. The thing one actually, like, it's superfluous. You don't need it. It bother. It doesn't bother me all that much because, like, it is clearly like a space alien that they're running into. Like, we see some of its forms. I think this movie, if there was just a zone that they never explain where it's from, but we know it disappears in the in the movie anyways. It disappears at the end. I think that is weirder than. It came on a space rock and infected the Earth, I guess. So, like, again, I don't think it's it does not detract from it. It's not a problem. I'm fine with it being a space rock. But I didn't I didn't need that level of like, hey, you're gonna, but 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 to your point, I do think it probably grounds it for a wider audience. I don't think that was like a studio note. But if you're watching this movie, knowing like I'm going to see a crocodile with teeth all down its you know thing i'm gonna be see people turn into flower pears i'm gonna like know that there's some weird space wackadoo shit that's happening here like we're not gonna describe it in graphic detail 
about like what it is and what it's trying to get to or stuff like that. But you don't need to be like, why, why is this happening? Space magic made it to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, we accept a lot of weirder shit when we know it's a space invasion, right? Yep, yep. Um, that's, but it's just very funny because, like, that's the start of Night of the Creeps and the Blob and the Thing and, like, it's just, it's it's the way that, like, a lot of, like, 1950s style, like, kooky sci-fi starts and I just don't think it fits this movie. I also don't think it fits John Carpenter's The Thing, but, like, no. I just don't think it fits, um this kind of movie to give those sort of easy answers, but it's fine. Anyways, um, it's a thing from space that is um, causing uh, the expeditions to go it makes, in. It makes a hole in the bottom of the lighthouse. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes a hole in the bottom of the lighthouse. Anyways, Aaron, uh, what would you rate this movie? <laughs> um, five stars. Five stars. You hate lighthouses is why. I, I like lighthouses. I like them with holes in the bottom. <laughs> I wish lighthouses went down further. <laughs> Little, just a little bit further. Just, just an extra room. I wish yeah. lighthouses had more basements. Yeah, yeah. Why, yeah? Why don't they put a basement in California and lighthouses? Like, just put a basement. <laughs> You're afraid to dig? You can't do a little digging. Yeah. Like, what do you got going on? California don't keep basements. Yeah. I, I would never, I would never move if our house had a basement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because you want to be the Zodiac killer. The Zodiac killer. I'm not smart yeah. enough to be. Yeah, I don't know how to dig. Yeah, a you didn't hole date DJ. Put a house down there. <laughs> a lot of references to one episode five years ago lately. All right, go on. What else? Um, so, anyways, the biologist. Fine. Yeah, she's the biologist. Yeah, her husband disappears. He's gone for a year. Um, she is. Um, she's very startled one day when she, she doesn't know that he's in Area X. So Area X in the in the book is known. Like it's, everyone knows that it happened. People know, but they about think Area it's X. like a chemical spill, they and people get like a, people get bored with it too. Like they lose interest the way we do any news story, and they're like, "I guess there's something going on down there. Who the fuck knows? Who cares?" It happens over the course of decades, and part of the project of yep. the Southern Reach organization is making people bored. The yep. movie—it's a secret. Uh, yeah, the movie—it's a secret. And um, recent. they evacuated people. They told it, told them it was a chemical spill, and yep. um. They largely evacuated people without incident, though anybody that was in that space did not make it out. Yeah. Nobody has made it out from any of the the scientific expeditions sent to go in. My sort of weird vibe on this is that, like, in the book, I think they're the 12th expedition. In this, I'm getting the vibe they're, like, the third. Like, it's earlier. Yeah, it's, it's earlier in the expedition. The thing about, you find out in the book, though, 12th doesn't mean the 12th expedition. It just means that, like... They were running tests as to, like, the framework of each expedition. So, like, the if you were in the 11th expedition, it was all men. And the 10th expedition had different. And they sent, like, 15 11th expeditions that were just men to do tests on them. Ah, the 12th, the 12th, the, you might not. Sorry. I, th- I thought that was pretty early in um, authority. But, like, the 12th expedition, which is the one in the book, is the first of the 12th expedition, which was all women. Like, that's how Got they were it. doing different tests. So, Got it just it. means, like, different criterion frame. Like do, like, do we give them video cameras? Do we give them guns? Do we give them any sort of technology? Like, those test frameworks are make up an expedition in the book. Got it. That makes that makes sense. Okay. So, um, Natalie Portman, um, her husband comes home from one of these expeditions. She doesn't know where he is. But then as he's sitting at the table, he's acting very strange. She doesn't yeah. seem to have much memory. At first, she takes it as just a trauma response to seeing, like, horrifying shit in the Middle East when he was, like, a Navy SEAL or whatever. Um, 
and uh they she uh, he starts to crash out they call a ambulance the ambulance is taking them to the hospital and then those two are swooped up by the southern reach who is sort of the um it's sort of like a branch like an nsa cia whatever yeah. kind of like a, a branch that's assigned to uh keep the secrets in about the uh area x uh, the Shimmer, as they call it in this, is sort of a nickname. Um, and to uh, launch expeditions into it to get more information. So yep. they get uh, abducted by this organization. Her husband immediately starts going into some sort of like cardiac arrest. And um, she is sort of being treated like a prisoner for a moment while she's getting debriefed and getting questioned. And the entire framing device of this movie is essentially recognizing that she got, she went into the space and then she got out of the space alive. Yeah. And, um, he didn't, what? Her husband. Both of them do. Well, the framing device is her being interrogated. Yeah. So, so oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. She's being interrogated about about how she got back and she's the only one from her party. Yes. So, the framing device of this is that she is being interrogated when she is, you know, comes back. By Benedict Wong, too. Yes. By Benedict Wong. Um, who I love that. I love Benedict Wong. Yeah. He's, he's another one of those actors where I'm like, yeah, like I hope you paid we, off your like beach house with uh with uh, Marvel money, but like, can you go back to doing uh, cool shit again, please? Yeah. Um, but um, she's being interrogated. You know, she makes it out alive, but there's an implication that no one else did. Yeah, and then and you ev- beat that. And everyone is like Benedict Wong and all the other scientists are like covered in hazmat suits. Yes. And they don't know what she is. She don't they don't know why she was able to come back because for a long time people weren't coming back and then her and her husband were able to come back. Like, that's weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um so anyways, we're about to beat the people that are not coming back from that expedition. Um she is introduced to her team. She basically says, I know my husband was in there. You know, I'm up for this. The psychologist is the head of the expedition, a.k.a. the director. Yeah, um, was it, one of the funny things that's interesting, maybe this was in an early manuscript, because it's, but not the final novel. So in the in Annihilation, the book, the you just find out it's the psychologist the whole time. And it's not till the beginning of the second book that you find out the psychologist who is there to control is actually the director of the Southern Reach, who has finally had enough. And decides she wants to go in and see it for her for herself. So, like uh, that does parallel, but in the book, that is definitely not known in Annihilation. Um, and again, I'm not sure if maybe it was mentioned in Annihilation, and then Jeff moved it to another book in a later manuscript. But like, uh, it's interesting parallel if it is just a weird accident. It's it's you can call it an evol- you can use an evolutionary yeah. metaphor like I did early uh, earlier uh, a poor one I probably could have named two monkeys that were closer together or apes yeah. that were closer together I mean um, pe- it also is a it also is appropriately a mutation our audience is mostly ape experts so I yeah, <laughs> I do think that's going mean, to cost that's going to cost us let's just be honest yeah um we're you know what if i if i've offended any any uh ape ape experts i, I hate to say you uh, go bananas on yeah. us in the ratings Peter, sorry. Peter, <laughs> sorry. From the noted eight movie sorry. Congo. <laughs> Speak in your language, the language of the apes. Peter, <laughs> sorry. I mean, they're probably all out by the time we did the Planet of the Apes movies. How many times oh, did we yeah. call them monkeys? Well, 
We just agreed that saying monkey was more fun than saying ape. Oh, 100%. I mean, monkey ape sounds monkey like too. Ape sounds like a word I don't like saying ever. Uh, yeah, and reminds me more of the kink song Ape Man. Mm-hmm. I was, oh, sorry. I meant papist. <laughs> it does remind me of that. I hate being called a papist. Oh, my God. I believe in that that the priesthood was a mistake, <laughs> that Jesus called us all to be priests on Earth. Uh, we shouldn't bow to a pope. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm I, I love about. the public enemy song, The Pope is a Joke. <laughs> yeah. Get up, get get down. The Pope is leaving your town. In a bulletproof car, because he's scared? Because he's scared. <laughs> um all right, yeah, so yeah. believe that the Pope's scared. Pope's yeah. scared of going to his favorite place, heaven. Yeah. Uh also uh last oh, I heard talk Jesus- about how this place sucks. Jesus loves bullets, and it would be like a blessing if one was delivered at full speed to you, based <laughs> on how I understand current conservatism. Like, I disagree I with it. To be clear, I am against that. But uh, that is, as I understand it, what a lot of Catholics believe nowadays. Yeah. I, I, um, as a, a student of scripture, I particularly love the story where Jesus arrives in Bethlehem uh, riding in an Abram's take. Uh, yeah, that is like, and they're all spraying their palms on him. <laughs> and you can hear the palms rattling yeah. against the steel barrel. Hey, you're going to dent this tank. It's very expensive. That's <laughs> why so he had gonna, to heal so many people. the finish. Yeah, you don't hear about the accidents that day because Jesus had plus five healer ability. But like, <laughs> if he hadn't, that would have been a, quite the massacre. On the march to Jerusalem that day. Anyways, they go into the shimmer. Uh, they go into the shimmy shimmy yay shimmy shimmy uh. and this they literally just walk through which I think is like in the book there is a whole thing about like there's one opening and it's like a complete disaster to try to get through and here they're like the thing is you walk through yeah and but they oh but it's 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 but, not- it, but it is a little bit weird I like the way they show like because they're like two weeks later they ate two weeks worth of rations they've set up tents no yeah. one remembers anything yeah, it, it was not hypnosis like it was in the book, but something happened to their memory in the, in the transfer over the border. Yeah. And so we're in the we're in the the area X. Um, we could probably like you know just kind of carry through and, and Let's just get yeah, get through what goes like, to next. Yeah. Um, they are moving through as a group. We've got the we've got the anthropologist. Um, we've got a Jane the Virgin. Jane the Virgin, their like roles are not quite as prescribed in the movie. Like they kind of fulfill multiple roles. Jane the Virgin was a a paramedic um, and a virgin, I guess. Uh, In case the that was on their (laughs) their their list of variables. I mean, she probably she probably wasn't by the end of the show. No, Gina Rodriguez is Anya. Uh, Anya, who was a paramedic, so I'm assuming she's there for like some sort of Tessa Thompson is the. She's what? a she's like she's, a physicist or something, right? Yeah, she's, she's the most. She's the other very like science nerdy person, like Natalie Portman. She's kind of parallel to. Um, I think she's a medical person, yeah. maybe. Um, whatever. The point is that they have they have people there with more pragmatic skills, and they have people there with more like hard science skills that are there to like collect samples and observe. And one of the big things about the book is they stopped letting technology go in because it went bad. In this, they have camcorders, they have assault rifles, their cell phones don't work, but they have, like, 
batteries and things to like they they have a, a sense of technology and that'll be important later on as they start finding video cameras and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. The the movie really uh foregoes that plot point because yeah, which um fun. it has it has shit to do. Um <laughs> And uh, so as we get through, um, there's uh, exploration. They're trying to cross a swamp, um, like a marsh, and they need to find a boat. And so they're poking around trying to get a boat. And then Tessa Thompson's uh, backpack gets pulled by a big, like, uh, white, like, albino alligator. Yeah, like kind of the prehistoric ones almost from a size. Like, it feels like it's just it's massive. Um, Yeah. And it's it's massive. It has a mutation involving its teeth. It's very- well, we'll get there. That's what makes it like especially creepy because they it charges. It's very aggressive. They kill it. They shoot it enough to they shoot it a lot of times and eventually drops dead. And as it like leans back and opens its jaw dead, they see it has circular rows of teeth like all the way through the back of its throat. And they're sort of like they're sort and of the scientific. biologist is like, this is incorrect from a crocodile biology standpoint yeah there's a there's a really good though it's not as scientifically focused as the book there's a really good thing that she's pointing out here which is this is not um uh this is not an alien taking a shark and a crocodile and smashing them together they're like this is basically impossible. Like, yeah. uh, this is this is something entirely different. There's some sort of like mutation happening that is overriding the alligator was taken taken yeah. down to a genetic level re- uh, deconstructed and then reconstructed into yeah. something else um and so there's this idea that um within a short period of time i, I don't know a- area x doesn't seem to be alive for decades in the movie the way it is no it, it seems like a few months yeah but yeah it's and, it's rebuilt earth life in its own image at a cellular level yeah and one thing that's very interesting as a cosmic horror concept is as as we go along, we see more doubles. We see these white stags that uh, have mirrored tendencies. Um, but look have, different. Yeah. Yeah. And they have... Um, they're not the same markings. They're not the same color, but they're they're mirrored in motion. Yes. In reaction. And they have um, people... They, sorry, they have these, like, forms in, in flowers that are mirror versions of each other. And the idea yep. is that this thing is sort of sort of uh, creating pairs. Almost this... Uh, it's, it's sort of making mirror copies um, and then destroying the original eventually. Eventually. Yep. Um, yeah. And it's... and it, But the cosmic horror implications here... It's not just that it's some sort of mad scientist. It's that it's sort of an a consciousless force it's a genetic ecosystem there may be no single thing it may be a entire just like pool of microorganisms that are all kind of performing in a similar way there is some sort of cosmic force that is performing this activity this this mutation this destruction and recreation this annihilation and then rebuilding um, yeah and it, it it seems to be, especially as we get to the end, it seems to be sort of unmotivated. It 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 it, it seems to be playful. It seems to be finding many outlets. It is not fa- This is not invasion of the body snatchers, where it's no. factory reproducing um, doubles. It seems to be sort of experimenting and seeing how people react, and the way people react to this process seems to have an effect on what happens to them. 
Yeah, and as other and it's it's like a full genetic stew. Like that is a happening. So we will have these experiences of like a part of another creature or organism just touching another organism and at some point the dna and the molecules and the atoms are breaking down and falling apart and coming back together at such a like rate and a speed that like it's easy for it to just be like all mushed together very quickly and like there's all these examples you know you know, at first they just kind of feel weird, all of our uh, humans that have gone into Area X, but pretty soon they're like, oh, my fingerprints are moving on my skin. Like, it, I'm changing so much so quickly that, like, I can see that physically reflected. And, like, when they touch other things or other things happening, it, like, absorbs into other organisms quickly. Like, they are breaking down to the point, like, if you broke down anything, like – you know, if I threw two rocks next to each other, which are like solidified, uh, uh, you know, uh, atomic molecular structures, they don't do anything. But if I throw took took those two rocks and mushed them into fine grains of sand and then threw them next to each other, pretty soon you wouldn't be able to tell what which rock was which at any point because they're just completely mixed together in like a pulverized annihilated dust version of themselves that is what's happening to the life forms in this movie and the entire area they're in like at, they start out as rocks and they are being ground away into sand by this like force this alien force to the point that as as we get further into the movie, they are essentially like genetic nothingness that can flow from one thing to the, the next. And it'll leave some of its sand behind and some of it will go on. And it just looks like, you know, one creature that's kind of a, or one organism or, or one whatever else that's absorbed all of this. Yeah. I mean, it's a good way. It's a good way of pointing at it, it pointing at it. It, it um, I just I really like that this movie is not focused on having a single coherent factory process the way they have an invasion of the body snatchers. I like yeah. that it's something like what you're talking about, where it's kind of transcending between forms. It's kind of being its own experimenter. It's sort of saying it's it's sort of saying it's not saying yeah. anything. It's sort of yeah. moving in this mysterious way to create um create something new from the destruction of the of the original copy and in a way that like i think is very funny at the beginning of the movie um they highlight the fact that doppelgangers are going to be the central mutation or the central yeah. um form of 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 uh complication that uh Ariax is going to create that's going to matter to the ending like if you don't grasp the doppelganger concept yeah. the ending is going to mean nothing to you so at the beginning um Natalie Portman is talking about uh, the uh, she's a uh, Johns Hopkins. She's giving a lecture about cancer cells. Yeah. And um, it's sort of positing. Um, OK, so it's sort of positing that like we talked about last week um, a little bit about this alien being like a colonizer of uh, in the autopsy, this yeah. alien being a, co a colonizer of this body. In this weird way, it's talking about cancer being sort of a symbolic representation of what Ariax is doing. It's coming in. Um, it's a double of the cell. And then that double yeah. starts to act very fucking weird because the yeah. double is very fucking weird. Yeah. And 
Um, the Natalie Portman discusses the, the rhythm of the dividing pair. So yeah, that's all life is, right? Is like you take a single cell organism and then it's yeah, and then it splits and splits and splits and splits. And, yeah, it should and, be a copy of the previous cell. Yeah, and sometimes that split is not correct, and then we get things like cancer. We get specific uh, genetic disorders. We get all sorts of issues, right? And she, her focus is the genetically coded life cycle of a cell. Um, she has a line that says that it, I don't really have a, a, a pin on this just yet. We'll get there later. But she has a line that I want to come back to that she points and she says, aging is uh, the fault in our genes. It's God's mistake. Yeah. Um, and that they make sort of jokes about like Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac are both in bed in this flashback and they're both hot as hell. And the joke is sort of like them being like, wouldn't you want to be like locked in at this age forever? Yeah. Right? Like, um, as opposed to like slowly degrading in your body. And then one day your knees suck and you need a walker and just like, yeah. you know, um, but we get mutated flowers. We get the alligator. We get this bear later. Um, we get these paired deers. Like there's corruptions of form and there's duplicates of form. And these echoes is what the term yep. they use. And those echoes or those doppelgangers are not as central in the book, but they're the first book at least. Um, yeah, they're they're, definitely... they're they're not they're not at all. Like they, and then it's... in the the movie, they are the central mutation, and we're yep. gonna have to keep coming back to this concept of mutations. Yes, uh, and so they start realizing something's more horrific very soon so they head down to this uh w there's a lot more structures in the movie that they're kind of going through where it's almost structureless like a, the state park it was inspired by minus the lighthouse in in the book although there is some like oh there's a town over here later on but um oh can i jump in really quickly yeah um they say explicitly in the movie i just got to my notes I say explicitly, it was three years. So in the okay. book, it's supposed to be decades with Area yeah. X and things are getting weird. Three years and the border is expanding. So this thing, yes. it's in the movie, it's happening all very fast. Yes. Uh, the book, the border is, they're worried the border will expand, but there's been no proof that it's expanded at the point that you're probably at in the book. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, so... They, uh, yeah, so they re start realizing that there's more horror than expected. They go into this, like, almost abandoned school. They go into uh, the basement of that school. And first they, they kill, like, this little, like, weird snake creature um, th that we think is a snake or there's one kind of going around in there. But then when they get down to the basement – oh, sorry. No, uh, let me back up. So they watch this video. They find this video of basically Natalie Portman of Oscar Isaac's expedition. And it's all these guys and they're like in their, you know, uh, their, their army fatigues. And they're like, okay, videotape this. Look at this. Look at this. And they put their camera on this guy who uh, people are holding. And Oscar Isaac has a knife. And he's like, are you ready? All right, we're going to do this. And he cuts open part of his stomach. And he opens up his uh, his abdomen only to see like these weird oh tentacles that are like completely infected in his body. They are they're not small. They're like giant. They look like octopus tentacles. It's as if he never doesn't have original intestines. He doesn't have like the entire insides. chamber. It's this, yeah. this wrapping this snake -like coi coiled creature that, snake. Yeah, that's not trying to get out. It's no. just writhing around. Yeah, and they are. Like, what 
you know, they have no idea what this is or how he's existing. Everyone gets freaked out. Uh, people are some people are like, those were just intestines. It's the light. People immediately go into denial about what they saw. But then they go down to the basement and they find this person who has a cut in his stomach in one of the, like the scariest images of this movie, who has essentially been like, again, in our sand analogy, plastered across the wall of this basement. And he is now part plant, part wall, part human stretched part into mold. the growth of, <laughs> yeah, of the existence. I didn't get much thematic value out of the fact that like some expeditions are all men and some are all women. I got um, like social and interest value in the expedition being uh, all women because typically these stories are very male dominated. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's interesting to cast all women for this type of movie. I didn't get a whole lot of like gender commentary on that. The only thing that I think gets close to it, and you could probably write a good chunk of a, an essay on this, is the way the that this tape of the, the snakes has this distinct male energy. Yeah. Um, it's shirtless men all standing around with a webcam. Drinking. Trying to make sure the webcam is looking right. They're all being mm. very physically intimate with one another. Their hands yeah. are on each other's shoulders. They're comforting each other in a very masculine way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but they need to, to perform this horrible duty, which is demonstrating for the camera that this man's full of snakes. Yeah. Um, and they're cutting it open. Could have used the scientists in that expedition, honestly. Yes. <laughs> and full of snakes Isaac, is all we got. <laughs> yeah. Oscar Isaac is not being cruel to this person, even though what he's doing is cruel and probably unnecessary. Yeah. Oscar Isaac is just losing his mind. And he's like, we all agreed we have to do this. And you said you wanted us to see if there's snakes in your stomach. Yeah. So let's do it together, buddy. We're on, let's we're see, on let's the see same the snakes. Team. And he's like being very intimate and sweet with this guy as he's cutting open his stomach. And the guy is treating it like it's surgery, even though Oscar Isaac isn't pulling the snakes out. No. He's not like giving any procedure. He's well, clearly like, he doesn't yeah. have a plan to suture it back together because when we see him crucified against the wall by plants, his his stomach, like he's been separated. Like, yeah. It. And there's this sort of unspoken male intimacy here that I find very fascinating. This sort of like, it feels like drunk male intimacy is probably as close as I can yeah, get to it. Yeah, it seems like a scene from fucking Jarhead or something. Yeah, yeah. It feels like it feels like when you're in college and like, I don't know, your fucking AC broke in the summer and you're all just like drunk and you're like shirtless sitting around your apartment and then like two of you decide to like light, lightly wrestle or some shit. Like it has like slight homoeroticism to it yeah. in a weird way. But it's also like it is a masculine display in another yeah. way. Um, very. You're, you're not saying you don't get a little bit hot when your buddy's filled with snakes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want to film with at least one more snake. Yeah. Wink, <laughs> wink. Um, you got snakes up here. You want snakes down there? Yeah. Um, I see you already got snakes up in your gut. What's, <laughs> what's one, one more snake? Like? Yeah. Um, but do you get what I'm, I'm saying? The yeah, I do. I yeah, yeah. I I do. Um. Well, because theoretically, these people didn't know each other. Like, that's kind of the way that they, 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 they're finding specific people. So, theoretically, like, Oscar Isaac's all-male group. And again, the kind of, like, male group, female group, like, other conditions are part of, like, an experiment set that's happening. 
that's not outlined in any capacity and likely doesn't exist within the movie version. But I do think it's interesting, like, the way that they've bonded through their experience is, like, different than the way that our characters are going to bond through their experiences. And, like, they both have um, moments of camaraderie in the very – like, we're, we're seeing – we see the the expedition with Natalie Portman's obviously have a lot more time for delving into the areas of camaraderie, of partnership, along with the degradation of that later on. And we're seeing just a little snippet of that from this other expedition, but it does look different than what we're seeing in in the ex in the in Natalie Portman's expedition. Like, Natalie Portman's expedition is is very interesting because they become aware of the fact that people go crazy and that becomes a um something that makes Gina Rodriguez go crazy. So yeah. Natalie Portman um there's a moment when the psychologist says fuck it I'm going for the psychologist played by Jennifer Jason Lee. Not sure there's ever been a better uh, casting ever. She is so she's so good in this. And in both the movie and the book, you find out that part of the reason she was so adamant to get there is that she has cancer and she wants answers. She wants She's done. She's done studying from afar. She doesn't have much time left. In the book, they make it very explicit. Like she doesn't have weird area X cancer. She just has regular old like cancer and she's like you know and had there's a lot of commentary around like um i've been studying this bizarre thing that changes your genes and everything else and here i am you know subject to the other thing that we never bothered to understand that changes our genes in a, in a negative way like right like which i think is a really good call out like they're spending a lot of this like i don't think this 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 movie is more explicitly kind of like a movie about like cancer and some of that stuff, but like there is a doubles, toxic doubles. There is a explicit point in the book that essentially is like, we have been devoting all this time to studying area X when we don't even understand like our own, like the cancer that exists within us. Like, right. Like that we never studied it enough to cure it or solve it or, you know, treat it effectively consistently or anything like that. And like, we're devoting billions of dollars of resource to study essentially the same thing in this small land area that like at the time they're studying, it isn't even a threat beyond that area. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so they push forward. The psychologist is basically like, come with me. Don't come with me. It doesn't fucking matter. That yeah, night I'm, at camp, I'm going to the lighthouse because we that know that camp, that was the impact site. Yeah. One of them gets taken by a bear. Um, and they decide uh, as uh, the, the group is divided. Half of them are like, let's keep going to the lighthouse. You know, and when we're done, we can go up the coast and, you know, get out that way. Have a few um, laughs. Yeah. Have, go up the coast. Have a few laughs. Go up to the lighthouse. Have no laughs. laughs. Get in the hole. Zero laughs at the lighthouse. Lighthouse hole. Yeah. Have a few being shouts. I don't know if we can describe it. Maybe we'll get there. Um, but the bear attacks uh, one of them, strips them from the group. Pretty clean, clean sort of horror yeah. movie moment. They're not able to kill it. Gina they, Rodriguez doesn't see the bear. Doesn't see the bear. But they, they, they push forward. Now, Gina Rodriguez says, like, basically has to be convinced to continue forward. Mm. And when she realizes that Natalie Portman kind of, like, tricked her, or she sees it, she tricked her into pushing forward with the mission, she snaps. 
Um, and she ties. Oh, because she finds she finds out. Sorry, it's two things happen that are very important. One, they do find because at first she's like, "How do we know she's even dead?" Yeah, and they find a trail that they think could be the bear. And Allie Portman's like, "No, I'm sick of you complaining." Gina Rodriguez uh, is a direct quote from the movie. <laughs> I'm gonna go explore it myself, and that she finds the dead body, but then reports back that we found her dead. So Gina Rodriguez and the rest of the characters. Um, uh, Tessa Thompson do not see it and then also importantly is that she while uh, Natalie Portman is sleeping Gina Rodriguez goes and looks at the locket that's around her neck and finds out the guy in the video who cut the stomach open uh, is her husband and so she's like no one said that that was her husband or that her husband had been to Area X or that guy who they know is in quarantine is Natalie Portman's husband. So I know the director's been lying to me and I know Natalie Portman's been lying to me, how, which is calling into question like whether the bear exists and other things. And this is also where she's having the breakdown of like, I can see my fingerprints moving. If you were to cut me open right now, would you? we're being changed by this place. We're being in a way that we don't understand. If you cut me open right now, would my stomach be full of sinks? And so she ties them up. Dead because they yeah. she thinks they know they have answers. Yeah, which so, they don't. Yeah, but. exactly. Gina, Gina Rodriguez is like basically like the last group went crazy. Maybe I need to protect myself from you guys from going crazy and killing me. But she's yeah. really the one who went crazy, right? They um, never know. The crazy people never know. Yeah. They're the ones going crazy. It's a real problem. Honestly. Yeah, it's been a problem for me in my personal life. Yeah. Um, but um, so. We'll start a podcast. So, uh, <laughs> so importantly, People while they hear my thoughts, while they turn up, um, so Cassie Shepard is the per- is the um, I forget what she is anthropologist or whatever who was taken by the bear. They hear her, her, her say, "Help me!" And Gina Rodriguez is like, "You were full of shit. She's alive." Which comes in maybe one of the scariest moments of the movie or any movie period. The sequence is is legendary for people that have seen it because it is very scary. So uh, at first, yeah, Gina Rodriguez chases out um, a, a, off camera. We stay in the house with yep. the, the, the prisoners. Gina Rodriguez chases off camera. To go get um, Cassie. To go get Cassie. And we hear a bear attack happen. A, de- a deafening roar. Like... It, it was one of those moments where I was like, I'm glad I've invested in a good home theater system because it was so loud even compared to all, everything else. And I'm sure in the theater it would have been an amazing moment. It's so it's good to have like, it it's, it's so like this is a fucking bear. Yeah, it's good to have it, it, it be booming. In the theater, the entire room reacted with like a – everyone just gripped tight. Yeah. And, was, yeah. and it was gripped tight. Clench, clench that butthole. You, you got you to gotta see the beat. Uh, gotta see the BH. Um, <clears throat> but uh, then they are all trying to get out of the chair when a bear comes in. Gina Rodriguez does not come in. No. So uh, the bear comes in and goes. Is blind. And, is blind. He goes and sniffs between their heads and it has this strange human. Uh, bear hybrid kind of frame. The face has um, features of a human skull that's exposed. It's almost like it's taken a human vocal cord set and just mashed it onto the front part of a bear. 
Um, but it kept the bear's size and strength and weight. Well, and you find out later on, so flash ahead, this is where you're finding out that, like, these people are breaking down like sand and mixing together. Because when the bear ate Cassie, like, Cassie was so much of, like, a a fucking genetic mush that a bunch of her genetic components just fused into the areas that the bear was eating or like it's it's like genetic slop it is like that like the thing i think about you know that analogy of like technically our molecules are so far apart that like we don't really know the reason why when we put our hand on a table that it doesn't pass through the table because there's more than enough space between all the on a microscopic level all the different molecules that make up our hands and our tables that our hand could just easily pass through with none of the molecules hitting each other easily and and like scientists will say we're not quite sure why that doesn't happen <laughs> like we don't know why there's resistance like obviously it's molecules hitting at each other but like at a microscopic, like, quantum mechanics level, we don't understand why that doesn't work. That's what I think about in these moments. Like, oh, this bears quantum, like, th- those things that you heard about, like, we don't know why your hand can't pass through the table or become one with the table because there's the space exists to do it. There, everything is broken down so much that, like, yeah, her voice, which is, like, you know, her vocal cords, her parts of her face, like, just merged and combined at a quantum level with this bear. And there's a comment later that um, Tessa Thompson says, so sort of, as I was saying, the way that you react to this world affects the way that the world ingests you. Yeah. Um, and Tessa Thompson says later, I don't want the last thing, the, the only part of me that remains living to be terrified and scared yeah. and screaming. Yeah. And which is which is a terrifying concept. Like they've they she's accepted that she is not getting out of here, that she's being absorbed into whatever this this genetic goo is, and she's like trying to figure out where her place can be in a way that like lets her lets her literally rest in peace with whatever form she's in. Yeah. So we're back with the bear. Um yeah. the bear is moaning between all of them and uh it is thrashing around the room um a little bit. And as it knocks over Natalie Portman's chair, and you're like, Natalie Portman is going to get get eight. Um, T- Tessa Thompson's chair. No, she's coming after. I mean, she knocks. They knocks over both the chairs, but Natalie Portman okay. is the one he's coming after when Gina Rodriguez steps in the room and has either had an arm lopped off or has an arm completely just uh, unusable. Yeah, and this one hand is trying to uh, wield her M4 <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and trying to shoot this bear and bullets are just going everywhere. Very lucky. None of them hit the, the prisoners and the bear hears this turns around, turns its full attention to Gina Rodriguez and uh, mauls her on camera in a way that I think is like incredibly disturbing, like so yeah. uncomfortable to watch. Um, yeah. And, but and then eventually it smashes her jaw off. Oh yeah, uh, which is an Russo. interesting thing. Like it's like there's enough there's enough people yeah. in here. Maybe yeah. I just <laughs> yeah. It, it is it is a gruesome gruesome thing. Did you ever watch uh, part of the bear voice thing? Did you ever see the movie The Ruins? Yeah, cool. Movie. I love The Ruins. I feel like it got kind of mixed reviews when it came out because people liked the pulp novel better. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But I love the ruins. And the scariest part of the ruins is when the plants are like yelling, help me to lure yeah. other people through there. Like, uh, it's so creepy and weird and good. And like, that's really what this reminded me of. Yeah, the ruins is a, is a cool movie. It's not quite like a cosmic horror movie. It's just no. kind of like a, a strange thing that happened in the jungle kind of movie. Yeah, I'd I love mean, to. Fit. We got we to do the ruins on the show at some point. That's like It's also a, not quite a folk horror movie. <laughs> It's just no. sort of like a weird animal was in the jungle. It is a. I feel like it's a forgotten horror movie from the the late aughts that like people should rediscover as like a really good time. And it's a movie that I'm very grateful happened during the torture porn era because it is gross. It is so gross. It's such a visceral, disturbing yeah. movie. I'm I very glad it. it was not made during the PG-13 era because otherwise yeah. it would just be. Oh, plants hurt me. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, I got a little sting there. Um, That's just yeah, gardening so, on a Saturday. Yeah, so they do shoot and finally kill the bear. Tessa Thompson comes up and it, yeah. it like unloads an entire clip in this thing's face of the from her assault rifle yeah. and pi- finally puts it down. Because um, these are – it is essentially a living creature, right? Yeah. It's just um, – I mean, it'll be absorbed into something else. Like, yeah. you know. It'll probably just – It's, it's, it's kind of a it's, a it's a cosmic gumbo. It's a cosmic gumbo, exactly. Um, this month is sort of a cosmic gumbo. Yeah, movie. cosmic gumbo, the movie. Yeah, uh, we came up with a the- uh, theme title name I'm a little late. <laughs> yeah, I guess if we'd done this movie first, we would have had cosmic gumbo month. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, so they, they they get out, and Tessa Thompson, the psychologist and the biologist, all have very differing reactions to this near death experience. Tessa Thompson is like the psychologist, just leaves. That's when she finally is like, I'm off like the lighthouse. I yeah. actually, you guys are a threat to me. Like, yeah. Having yeah. you guys near me is is actually like a yeah. detrimental to my goal of You are actually attacking me right now? Yeah. <laughs> I am going to the lighthouse. Yeah, she's not doing the thing that people online do where they're like, actually I'm being attacked right now for my opinions. It's like, no, she you actually were tied to a chair. Yeah, yeah. There was a bear in there. Yeah. Um she is she's she's in the right for But being she's like, like yeah, I you were crazy. I'm gone. Yeah. I'm gone. <laughs> I have I have a I'm going to die. I I knew I was going to die when I entered here. I'm the only one here that knew I was going to die when I entered here. Let me see the goddamn lighthouse before I die. I literally, I want to get there to meet the lighthouse. Um, Well, one other thing happens before she gets to the lighthouse. So Tessa Thompson is like, I'm not going forward. Like, I'm already corrupted. Her wrists were showing signs of the vines growing within her. Yeah, yeah. Um, And Tessa Thompson is at peace with this. She's just sort of saying, like, I'm not scared. I... I have come to peace with the fact that this is part of the ecosystem of this this creature, yeah. and she, she's like, "Have you read Alan Moore's Swamp Thing?" <laughs> I'm gonna like, become a classic Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Yeah, she wants to be. She wants to basically like, I'm ready to become part of whatever this yeah. this this ecosystem is for good or for ill. Like, why yeah. why fight it and go to war with this thing? Like, it's like she says something along the lines of, "Nally Portman wants to destroy this thing." And the um, the psychologist wants to meet it. Yeah. So the psychologist kind of want, is looking for um, a moment of connection with God. And Tessa, Tessa Thompson is uh, is like, I'm just willing to embrace that I'm part of this this broader ecosystem. Yeah. And, the bi- and the biologist, Tessa Thompson looks at the biologist and calls it right. She's like, you came here to kill something because that thing, you see this as just having destroyed your life. <clears throat> having sent you back a version of your husband that wasn't your husband. Like you see this as, as uh, a place to destroy. Um, so, you know, go on your journey. I'm not going with, 
Bye. Yeah. And then she wanders off into a field and becomes one of these plant forms where yeah. vines that look form like humans. Legs. Yeah. They're very beautiful. They they look like topiaries. Um, and there's a really cool, really cool sequence earlier when they first um first run into them where yeah, where they're like, well, they can't be plants. Well, they have like they have vines growing where their blood vessels would be, <laughs> and they're like, yeah. But but that would be impossible. So that's not what's happening. Yeah, uh, I think yeah. There's a, there's a dumb line that's like it's literally impossible, and she's like it's literally happening right now. <laughs> like yeah yeah, that's a great line. Yeah, but then she we get to the coast lighthouse, and it's like all these weird crystalline entities that have like taken over the trees. Like the everything else did not look like an alien world, but now we actually look like we're in an alien world with a like corrupted lighthouse with a giant vine and other things growing out one of the sides, a barren a barren beach that's also covered in these crystal trees. Like it is if like the if the alien entity is terraforming, this is the ground zero of terraforming. Yeah, and if it's doing weird experiments, it, the idea that it's turning it's turning sand into glass, it's mutating sand yeah. into glass structures is like very yeah. appropriate. It didn't yep. start necessarily with even a uh, complex organism like a mouse. It started with the fucking sand. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so she goes into the lighthouse and... She watches the video before she goes down the hole, right? Yeah, let me let me explain yeah. the video real quick. So she, um, the video is pretty shocking. There's a video set up um, that was filmed and then turned off. So it still has battery in the camcorder. And she sees a burned corpse sitting there in a meditative position. And the video is at first... With, with its head gone and its head with a white silhouette against black soot that radiates out like a tapestry yeah. like it looks like a a work of art it's not it very much reminds me of in the the empty man when we see yes, the image of the empty much. man yes and it's and that's a prophecy of the fact that the empty man is going to be uh, blown away in a hospital bed later yeah yeah um but um so it's a video of her husband um what appears to be the original version because he's going yeah. a little cuckoo and in a weird way she can verify the humanity there because he's acting so strange like she's like this is how people act when they're here for long enough like that's that's human like that's like you can you can recognize that as human because a human reaction to this place is to completely lose yourself like that's a that's the cosmic horror reaction right and he's saying quotes that are – it's pretty amazing, like the, the little d short piece of dialogue leading into the revelation. It says, my flesh moves like liquid. Yeah. Um, and then as – and he's saying, I don't know if you're me or I'm you. And you're like, who are you talking to? Are yeah. you just having – are you having a disassociative episode? Yeah. Um, or like – which would be understandable. It's a pretty weird place. Um, yeah, I don't want to be judgmental about your disassociative episodes in Area X. Yeah, I feel like you need to give people like yeah. a lot of space for disassociative yeah. episodes, particularly in Area X. Yeah. Um, and then you realize he's speaking directly to the person filming who begins speaking and it's Oscar Isaac's doppelganger. Oscar Isaac, the uh, original, um, is sitting down in a cross-legged position and then he says something along the lines of, uh, have you ever seen what Willie Pete will do or uh, white phosphorus will do to uh, a person? Um, and uh, he opens up a white phosphorus grenade 
Um, and it does what white phosphorus does. There's a reason that it's banned by a lot of international yeah, courts. It's yeah. horrifying. It's a very bad thing. Um, yeah, have you seen all the oxygen? Have you played that one video game? Yeah, yeah. You play a uh, Spec Ops the Line. That that's what it is. Spec Ops the Line. Um, it's a horrifying thing. Um, yeah, it consumes all the oxygen in the space. It burns your lungs from the inside. It's it's horrifying. Yeah. Um, but uh, and then the doppelganger walks up into frame and you can tell the doppelganger just like shut off the camcorder yeah um so she knows that the person that came home is not her husband it is something from area x copying her husband. but it, but yeah but it's not necessarily like some sort of like intelligent like it's not necessarily like an agent of the alien entity it's just been created the way anything in area x has been created yeah, and, and, and earlier in the movie, when you see Oscar Isaac at the dinner table, sort of resting his hand with that glass of water, mm-hmm. at the, the doppelganger, now you know that was the doppelganger, you think it's just him disassociating after trauma, like he saw some horrifying shit in the Middle East when he was mm-hmm. off doing wars he should have not been in. Um, instead, you're realizing it was actually the doppelganger, like slowly associating, like it was the yeah. doppelganger, like kind of getting his bearings and understanding what his role was here and getting to know her and, and getting to know who the person was that he was copied from or it was copied from. Um, so the doppelganger, yes, is not necessarily evil, um, but it is horrifying for her to know that the person that came home was not the original. This is a copy. Mm-hmm. And she climbs down in this spacey hole and finds a psychologist. Yep. And the psychologist is explaining that, like, Hey, whatever this is, it's not it's not here to um understand us. It's not here to merge with us. It's not here like kind of what we talked about at the beginning. It's not here to assimilate us. It is going to annihilate our existence because it recodes us and uncodes us at a genetic and molecular level. And as she's seems like she's about to scream annihilation, black amorphous goo emerges from her body and slowly as Natalie Portman freaks out and runs upstairs starts to take the form of like a the AIs from the end of the film AI (laughs) I guess the robots from the end of the film AI but in black format and then ever so slowly start to turn into Natalie Portman all why mirroring her every move and stopping her from being able to get out not in a violent way but in like a two beings trying to exist in the same space and one is blocking another one's movement as a result way yeah it it forms into this strange um a strange blob which forms into this strange structure and then it eventually just becomes a um what is it like what's that strange like oil on water um sort of thing you see like especially when you're like the city and you'll see a little puddle in the gutter and you'll see that like oil on water the like technicolor kind of like i don't, shim- I don't know it's yeah yeah that shimmer yeah. color yeah um it, it's this strange sort of metallic watery kind of color mm. yeah it's mirroring her movements and then it performs a sort of like move to keep her in the lighthouse which knocks her unconscious and then she wakes up and you're like, oh, it's not just trying to kill her. It's not just trying to like assimilate yeah. her or put it where it's it's mimicking her. It's laying next to her in the same position. It rises up mm-hmm. off the ground. She grabs another white phosphorus grenade 
Gives and is able to, like, get the mirror to basically, like, oh, if I walk backwards and away from it, like, I can make it walk away from me because it's going to mirror my movements. It basically outsmarts the, you know, the the pairing that's occurred at a genetic level. It's like in a video game when they make your, they flip your controls. Uh, to yeah, she fights Dark you. Link. Yeah. <laughs> She's, it's doing, uh. Dark Link's doing, like, got all your moves. You got to figure out how to to beat Dark Link. Peter. Yeah, Dark Link or Psycho Mantis from Metal Gear Solid, you know? Another good reference. Um that's so that's that one you fight in Elden Ring. Yeah, the the silver. Oh, yeah, kind of that cuz it's 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 a silver teardrop thing, right? Yeah, silver it's kind of yeah, metallic. Yeah, yeah. yeah, maybe that I mean, that was probably taken from Annihilation. Who knows? Yeah, who knows. Um but uh she gives the thing the white phosphorus grenade and it kind of unknowingly sets on fire. And then it's looking at itself. It's processing this sort of betrayal or this moment of self-destruction. And then it starts touching the walls on purpose, yeah. touching areas. It's not trying to put itself out. It's just like, this is what I'm And it's not, it's not consuming. I kind of take it it's like white phosphorus is like such a destructive level. It's like it's doing what it does. It's, it's, a, it's a genetic soup and it's that genetic soup is merging – with with white phosphorus with some sort of destructive force so like I, yeah it, it is it is almost like but because of the way it works it's not consuming it immediately it's not killing it but it's absorbing it into a middle its molecular structure and like it can't withstand that for all that long and because you're at the center of where everything's happening that as essentially an organism that is combining at a molecular level combines with this destructive force like these like the human beings were eaten away from the inside from their perception by the annihilation of them at a, at a at a molecular and genetic level that essentially that's what's happening to this creature like white phosphorus and the violence in that moment is like yeah. eating away at it in the same way cuz that's what it was meant to do but that fundamentally destroys area x yeah and that okay so there's two things going on there's a literal, there's a literal, like, what you're saying. It is in, it is interpreting the white phosphorus and trying to take it into itself. And what 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 does that do? It, it causes a molecular yeah. destruction at the core of its being. Yeah. And, you know, theoretically, apocalypse averted. We'll get to there in a minute. Um, however, there's a thematic thing going on here, too. So the psychologist... Um, has this this speech about how almost none of us commit suicide, but we all partake in self destruction. So destabilizing yeah. the happy marriage, we uh, ingest, smoking, drinking, smoking, drinking. We we cheat. We 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 destabilize the happy job, the good job for us. Like yeah. we uh, don't take care of uh, you know our 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 home in a way that like kind of you know there's some sort of like joy and negligence sometimes like self-destruction is is part of human behavior and her her pitch is that almost none of us commit suicide uh but we all partake in in self-destruction to some degree and um the shimmer is a prism is a is another line earlier it reflects everything not just light yeah. and radio waves but it reflects everything even our dna the molecular structure of objects even sand yeah. Um, as we saw with the glass structures. And it starts to form copies. It starts to form its own interpretations. It starts to form all this. So it's not just copying the white phosphorus. There's also this moment of betrayal where it's holding onto the white phosphorus. And it was handed that white phosphorus by, yeah. 
by Natalie Portman. It just witnessed a suicide. Yeah. Um, and it is basically saying it is it is interpreted a particular um, not just molecular input, also a behavioral nurture input. Yeah. So nature and nurture have combined to destroy the shimmer because now it's like, oh, self-destruction is part of the cycle. Yeah. It pulls the pin. And in a weird way, Natalie Portman and Oscar Isaac <laughs> in a weird way destroyed this thing. Um, and yet at the end, when we get, we get out, Natalie Portman, she's back in the interrogation room. And they basically, when they're done with the interrogation, they're like, you know what? Yeah, actually, you can you can hang out with your husband. I don't really know why we would stop that. You're both still in quarantine at the end of the movie. so. And they see each other. They hug each other. Oscar Isaac, you know, 100% is a affected creature. He's a doppelganger. Natalie Portman, you know it's not that doppelganger, but they both have a shimmer in their eye. So you know yeah. that in some ways they were both affected by their time there. Well, yeah, I mean, we knew, she, I mean, we know she looked at her own cells and they weren't her cells anymore, right? When she looks under the microscope. And what, is, what does that mean? Does that mean that she's going to be destroyed on an individual basis and then that's it? Or does this mean that the... The cycle continues like she should have been immolated too. the point is that at the end of the movie, we don't know. Neither of them is the original version. And yet they're both mimicking this, um, this, 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 uh, joining tendency. They're both bringing their, trying to bring their relationship back together because both of them know at the end of the day that, um, that is in their programming that those two are supposed to be together. Yeah. And, in a, and in a weird way, that's beautiful. And in a weird way, that's a horrifically depressing thing. And I wonder if Alex Garland has uh, been divorced two or three times. I don't know. <laughs> like uh, the idea that you he, he's actually not accidentally clicked personal life instead of uh, a career earlier when I was looking at his filmography. And he is one sentence. He's married with a few kids. Good for him. Because Doing this fine. Movie could vary. He's like, hey, honey, let's let's not watch Wife or Men <laughs> together. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he makes very... a movie called Wife, you should probably not have his wife watch it. Well. Yeah, probably not. Um, I mean, this movie does have, <clears throat> and the book, ha- have a weird sort of um, sci-fi metaphor um, for divorce. <laughs> like, yeah. Like how we grow apart and we become these mutated versions <laughs> of ourselves that are just kind yeah. of mimicking love, but you're not in love anymore. Yeah, and interesting that even though, like, this this definitely like, just takes away the shimmer and leaves those two, I... You know, I'm not going to spoil the way the book ends, but it doesn't definitely doesn't end with the shimmer going away um, or Arix going away. So uh, it's 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 interesting. It does give it a resolution that's much different. I, the, uh, Annihilation, the book, just ends with her head jumping into the lake. Like she yeah. she's at the lighthouse. She goes into the lake and she like sinks into herself. Like. Yeah. You you find out what that means in the later books and how that where where she ends up from that point, but like, yeah, it's um, it definitely is giving it a very definitive ending, um, and it, one that works really well. Like you said, I think I think the metaphor strong. I think having some sense of conclusion while a you know classic Twilight Zone ending, like, well, everything's okay, or is it? Oh wait, it's definitely not because. He's a he's an alien spaceman clone, and like she has been changed genetically at a cellular structure. Like, oh, I don't know what's going to come from this. Doesn't seem great. I think this is a great adaptation because, like, not everything needs to have great adaptation. A one to one 
page by page adaptation of the original yeah. source material. Yeah, it's taking a vibe. It's taking some ideas and it's making something which it's Peter, a true you and I have always with the material in a yep. in a holistic thematic way. He's engaging yep. with it intelligently. He's not just like excising the parts he doesn't like. He's like actually like I have a slightly different take on what happened to her. Yeah. There you go. It's, it's something you and I always talk about that like this is exactly the way to adapt books is like take your ideas from it and do your own thing and this is a great example of that and it ends up having a, a book in a book series that like i said is one of the best things i've read in a long time love it cannot wait to get into more of his work and a movie that even among like after five years and many viewings uh holds up as like just a fantastic sci-fi cosmic horror or weirdo adventure trippy movie and yeah a perfect one to end the month on, Peter. Good, yeah. good, weird, wild stuff. Weird, wild they, stuff. We've been wanting to cover this. This is the sort of thing that, like, I we both Peter. bought the same book. Like, we yeah. were like, we're, when we cover this, we're gonna read these books. Yeah, and it, and uh, and we bought it like three years ago or something. Yeah, like that. It, it's it, yeah, it, it, it's um, it's one of those situations where um, you and I immediately knew we had to cover it. Um, yeah. I'm glad that we ended the month on this one. I'm also glad that we didn't have differing interpretations on the ending. Really sped up. Really yeah. sped up. Well, this is the yeah. This doesn't. I don't <laughs> think this this lends itself to too much like plot mechanic interpretations. Like I think it's pretty yeah. pretty clear. I um, think you could have differing interpretations about what the ending means or whatever. But like one like. I, I to me, I think it means that, she finally gets to cheat on her husband with her husband. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she's like been cheating on her tweet. husband the whole movie. Now it's like, well, technically, you're not my husband, so I get the thrill of the cheat. Yeah, but a my husband's dead, so I'm kind of a widow. Mm-hmm. And then two, you are like no one would accuse me. It's like a twin brother switch a maru. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've seen some videos like that on the internet. Yeah, you know and, some switch some tweets by Kevin yeah. Smith. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so great movie. Uh, highly would recommend if you haven't seen the movie. The great, now that we've just described it in detail, good. I would, you know, do yourself a favor and watch it. It still works um, pretty. It still works pretty well, even if you knew every plot detail, yeah. just because it's a visual feast. I think. And and if you have, uh, you know, whatever twenty hours free, cannot recommend the Southern Reach trilogy more. Fantastic yeah. series of books. Loved it. Loved where it went. Um, hungry Very for more situation. by the Southern. Than the autopsy, or yeah, um, I mean, I guess it's similar to Dreams in the Witch House, where he was, where the the, the author was like the script, the screenwriter was like, yeah, there's some ideas here, but I'm just gonna run off in my own direction. Yeah, the autopsy is just like, uh, okay, well, this is basically a story I can just make, but I'll make it a little bit better. Um, yeah, uh, next month we're 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 not just making a shift; we're also kind of going to do a, an eventual step into our double month of the summer, which this month will be. Uh, June and July instead of July and August as we've done in the past. We're not going to reveal that yet, but I think where we end up at this month is really kind of setting some nice table stakes for the types of movies uh, that we're going to be talking about in in our double month. But for now, I don't think we have a good name for this month. We've called it the Evolution of John Cusack, but that's not really what it is because the Evolution of John Cusack would probably start with him as a supporting character in some John Hughes movie and then like end with the raven you know peters as you've been talking about so much what what i think i really want to get at is that john cusack was and still is especially for like a run in the 80s and 90s one of my favorite actors a very like i think even to this day a very specific 
actor and a performance that isn't really replicatable. Like he's the kind of his, he was a movie star, but he was kind of his own thing. Like there's not like a John Cusack type. I think that's really been replicated. Um, and he made two sets of movies that are beloved and are riffing on each other over between the 80s and 90s. So I thought – or 80s and or early 2000s. So I thought it would be fun to cover those because they also work as both a nostalgia look back and kind of a step into where we're heading for our double month in summer. But also just uh, looking at these movies that I think you and I generally like. I don't know if you've seen all four of these, Peter. or have, But haven't revisited in a long time because they make up so much I think of our – um, our junior high, high school, or college years that they that they got watched over and over and didn't revisit. So what I mean by that is that so next week we're doing uh for junkies that we're doing better off dead. The next fall, week after that we're gonna be followed by Gross Point Blank, which are these like uh, both unsentimental dark comedy love stories. That are basically done at different, you know, one is about a kid who has no sentimentality and who has like a death wish. And then, you know, basically 10 years later, he made another movie like that that are both at their core love stories between broken people finding each other. One as a high schooler and one as a hitman in Gross Point Blank. So I'm excited to do those as a pair. And then the more like I think famous and and idea of a pairing is say anything and high fidelity which is like someone who is easily love struck obsessed with finding love in his life one done from again a high school perspective that ends on a question mark true love and say anything cameron crowe's first movie that i think uh i was obsessed with when i first saw it and then high fidelity which is kind of a similar type character who has become more cynical as those those uh, loves, the, the the concept of passionate love or like soulmates has faded. Um, and at High Fidelity is also a really good example of a movie that I had a perspective on it at with with him as as uh, as the hero. John Cusack's character is the hero when I saw it when I was seventeen, and now as a forty year old, <laughs> closer to his age, it's easy to recognize him as not an aspirational figure but a villain. Who has something of a of a good story at the end? So I'm excited to revisit that one and kind of talk about. I think why a lot of people's experience with with High Fidelity was, you know, I think I think say anything in High Fidelity are very going to be very interesting to talk about because I think both of those the when you experience them at 18 uh, and when you're experiencing them at 30 or 40 or later on in your life, you have a very different sense of like what kind of movies these are who the characters are and what it's ultimately saying. Um, because I think like the concept of, you know, Lloyd Dobler having permanent love at the end of say anything, which when you're 18 is like, yeah, he found it. And as an adult, you're like, oh, I don't know if he found it. I think yeah. she's going to leave him at some point. <laughs> like, I have, a, I have an interesting, I have an interesting experience with say anything. Cause like I watched it kind of, at the perfect age, which was yeah. like a, a junior, senior in high school. And me, I watched me too. It. I also watched it, not one-to-one, but I watched it with that girl. <laughs> yeah. So, I think we'll have a lot to talk about. Yeah, so I'm really excited. So, again, it's we called John Cusack Evolution, but it really is almost taking, speaking of pairs, great spinoff from Annihilation, taking these two very thematically similar movies from the prism of high school and, like, late 20s, early 30s, and, like, 
now looking at those <laughs> movies from the perspective where we're in our – we fell in love or liked all these movies for the most part when we were in our high school era and now have a different perspective on them in, from our, our 30s or 40s by the time I record some of these episodes. Blah. Um Peter, have you seen Better Off Dead? That's the only one I'm not sure if you've seen. Oh, Better Off Dead is the one I've seen the most of all of these. Oh, okay. So you have seen all four of them. Yeah. I I, I think Gross Point Blank is the one I remember the least. Oh, gro- funny. Gross Point Blank is probably the one that I've seen the most. I think, I, I, I think I've seen it once, liked it, and then just did, it didn't like have that sort of like gotta rewatch it kind of vibe. Better Off Dead was a movie that I was like... There were so many bad 80s, like, fuck around comedies. And then I was yeah. like, wait, they made movies like Wet Hot in the 80s? I had yeah. no idea. Well, and Gro- Gross Point Blank was like a random video store pickup when I was a sophomore or something like that in high school. And it, it was my first John Cusack movie. And it was the movie that made me obsessed with John Cusack. And I went watch Better Off Dead and Say Anything and all these other movies because it was like so had a sense of humor and a love story that I hadn't ever seen before. And again, it was interesting to, to watch Better Off Dead and be like, oh, he kind of made totally the same movie 12 years before this one. Yeah. Like, which, which is very interesting. But anyways, I'm excited to talk about those and we'll start doing that next week if you listen to this podcast called We Love to Watch, a movie podcast for you from us. Love, Aaron and Peter. Thank you so much for listening to we love to watch if you made it to the end hopefully you liked what you heard today and if you'd like to hear more please go to patreon.com slash we love to watch and if you can chip in a few bucks that would really help us keep the lights on and keep us moving forward uh it wasn't an implicit threat by peter he just didn't know how to say it but either way we'll continue to make more but it would be helpful uh, as we explained to our loved ones where all our money is going which is all on server space uh <laughs> if you can't <laughs> uh if you don't have a few bucks to chip in we totally understand and you want to support the show show we truly absolutely would appreciate a uh, review on itunes i know every podcast says it and it's because it really does help and so every podcast wants that help so please go leave us a positive review so that when people find this show organically they hopefully want to tune in and listen and thanks again for all of your listenership and support and time throughout the years uh we really do appreciate you uh with kisses and smooches peter and aaron (laughs)